I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the Anxiety Bites podcast, and I am your host, Jen Kirkman. Welcome to another episode of Anxiety Bites. I'm your host, Jen Kirkman. Today, we're talking about menopause and perimenopause and how that relates to our levels of anxiety. If you are a person who is experiencing either right now, I wonder if you know that that absolutely increases any anxiety that you are already prone to. It can suddenly give you anxiety in the form of panic attacks, obsessive thinking, mood swings, depression. You know, it's a lot. Our hormones are changing during this very long phase of our life. And there is so much more to menopause than what you may think you know, which is just one day you stop getting your period and that's that. It's a sometimes seven to 10 year process of hormones changing before that inevitable stop in menstruating happens. And this is not talked about in society. Unfortunately, what you're going to learn from my guest today, Dr. Stephanie Fabian, is that medical doctors are getting less training now in recognizing symptoms of perimenopause and menopause. You have to be your own advocate. And so I highly recommend 
starting to learn about this. And I'm hoping I'm doing a service for any people out there that might be wondering what's going on in their 40s as they suddenly maybe feel like a teenager again, not in the best of ways. And how in our ageist society, where unfortunately, not only do we sort of abandon our elders, right? People in their 40s and 50s now are seen as older, in in the workplace at least. And it can be pretty difficult to want to talk about this hormonal change that affects our moods, our anxiety, our physical selves that goes on intermittently for seven to 10 years. And, you know, you spend 40 weeks in your life, um, of your life, that'd be great. You only had to work 40 weeks on your life, 40, 40 hours a week at a job, uh, most weeks of the year. Well, you're going to run into having your perimenopausal symptoms at work. And you need special kinds of relief. Usually these things might involve time or a change of environment within the workplace. And it can be pretty scary to talk about because we don't want to be seen as not being assets to the workplace at our age because obviously we are. So there's that kind of anxiety. I mean, even if you don't physically start getting panic attacks when you're in perimenopause, there is a lot that affects your brain and emotional health when you're going through such a big physical change. And serotonin is mildly connected to estrogen as well. So when that starts to change, it does affect our serotonin. Not as much as I thought it did, actually, and Dr. Fabian will take us through that. But yeah, so this is the second talk that that people have uh, a need for in their life. The first one is, you know, about getting your period. And then the second one is about the years and years it takes for your body to go through what it needs to go through for your period to stop. And it's not simple. And it's not quick. And it might be a great episode for you to listen to, even if this isn't something you're going to be going through. But it might help you understand the struggle that maybe people you work with have or people in your family or friends of yours or anyone you know in this age range. So there is hope, of course. But I think what I took most from my talk with Dr. Stephanie is we really have to be our own advocate and we cannot think that we are crazy and that this is in our head. We have to learn as much as we can about what happens during perimenopause, both physically and emotionally and mentally and to our brain. And we can't let doctors tell us that, oh, it can't possibly be happening because they're not trained in this. So get yourself, um, I don't know, I was going to say, I don't know what I was going to say to be honest, get yourself what? Get yourself this episode so that you can start to learn something about everything that you might be going through or will go through someday, if you're lucky enough to hit that age. So again, my guest today is Dr. Stephanie Fabian. She is a clinician who has practiced in the Women's Health Clinic at Mayo Clinic for over 10 years and has evaluated and treated women with menopausal, hormonal, and uh, other health concerns relating to that. She has a broad interest in women's health and She is the director for the North American Menopause Society. Again, the link to that will be in the show notes. And as the Penny and Bill George director for the Mayo Clinic's Center for Women's Health. Today, we're talking about some of the things in her book called The Menopause Solution, which came out in 2016. She said there is a new version that should be coming out this year. And, you know, 
I will, I will say there is hope. But again, like with any anxiety solution, it seems as though it's the answers you've heard before, you know, taking care of your health by making sure you're putting healthy food into your body, cutting down on alcohol, if not eliminating it, exercise, meditation, medication as needed, therapy, mindfulness, sleep. But there are a lot of different stressors that can affect someone in perimenopause. And an attitude shift is kind of needed as well, which is that this isn't really something to dread happening. It's just something to be prepared for. And unfortunately, it seems like there aren't a lot of people out there that are helping us prepare. So I'm hoping I can be a helpful voice in that lack of voices. And hopefully this episode will give you enough breadcrumbs to find your way to how you want to handle your perimenopause. And again, you know, all of the solutions to this are simple. They're not necessarily easy, right? When we take care of our brain health, our mental health, our emotional health, whatever you want to call it, we know what to do and sometimes we just don't want to do it, whether it's our depression that's making us lack the motivation or a self-esteem issue that says, you know, we're really not worth taking the time to take care of ourselves or the ADHD, which affects our executive brain function. There are so many reasons why people don't get started on taking care of their brain, emotional, mental health. And I think there's a lot of times I can get tricked by this too, thinking, okay, I hope this episode gives like the definitive number one answer for people. And it's like, there isn't one, right? It's a combination of finding out what works best for you, but we're probably always going to be picking from the same bag of tricks. And it's not because, you know, no one knows what the solution is. These are the solutions. But again, they're simple but not easy. That's what makes them so difficult to implement sometimes because again, the mental health that we're trying to take care of can sometimes get in our own way from even starting. So again, I hope you enjoy our conversation about perimenopause and I'll see you on the flip side. We're going to talk about perimenopause, menopause, and the anxiety, grief, moods that accompany it. But, you know, before we get into that, I'd love to chat with you just what the basics are. What What is perimenopause? What is menopause? Yeah, I mean, that's such a great question. And I've said many times that uh, we get the talk when we're about to start our periods, but nobody gives you the talk when you're about to stop your periods. And there are right. a number of reasons for that. Um including that it, the timing is variable for, for many women. And so we there's no set time, like you're 35 years of age, you need to get the talk now. So, and um, providers aren't really comfortable um, giving the talk, which is another major issue we can talk about. But let's talk about definitions here. So first of all, starting with the easy one, relatively easy anyway, menopause is defined as no period for a year. And that's with it, without any manipulation. So you have a uterus and you would have been menstruating otherwise and you haven't had an endometrial ablation and you don't have an IUD that would make you stop bleeding and you're not on a birth control pill that would make you stop bleeding. So without all those caveats aside, nature taking its course is no period for a year. Um, the mean age in the United States is around the age of 52. Um, but anything after the age of 45 is considered normal, and about 95% of us are done by the age of 55. So when you back it up, what are the stages that get you to menopause? And we call that the menopause transition. 
in the time leading up to the last menstrual period. And you don't actually know it's the last menstrual period until it's been a whole year, right? So right. you're actually, we sort of call it perimenopause until you've been a year with no period when in fact you were menopausal when you had that last period, right? So that's why this definition gets a little gray and fuzzy in there. Now, that time leading up to menopause, perimenopause, it can last for several years. And it can be when your periods start to get a little bit irregular um, and it can be really subtle at, at first. It may be, you know, it's off by three or four days or your periods are getting shorter or longer or they're getting closer together or further apart. So the variation can be pretty much anyway. Mm. Um, and then you can occasionally miss a period and you feel like you might be in menopause then because you could have hot flashes and night sweats and sleep disturbance and your mood is crazy. And then it all just kicks back in again for a while. And I had a male colleague once describe this time frame as like a boat motor sputtering. And I went, oh, dear God, that is like such a classic male description for a female reproductive <laughs> right. stage. And I was going, darn it, he's kind of right. You know, so people yeah. have described it as kind of like a um, a candle flickering or fluttering. And, and I usually just say, look, it's not like a light switch. Mm -hmm. You don't just flip it off and your, and your ovaries stop working one day. They, they really do kind of come in and go out for a, li a little bit of time. And you might blame it on one thing or another, like I got sick and, you know, then I didn't have a period for a couple of months, which can happen. Yeah. Um, or you get particularly stressed and you're not sleeping and your period stop for a couple of months and then they kick back in. So it's a very rocky time frame for a lot of women because it's so unpredictable in what your hormones are doing. And until things sort of settle out post-menopause, it can be pretty disruptive. And so when someone has gone one year without menstruating and so now they... I guess we'd say in menopause, but I guess we don't say in menopause after that year, right? Do we say postmenopausal or something? Or uh, That's a great question. So some people just say you're in menopause um, or you are postmenopausal for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So so I, I think either could be accurate. You mm -hmm. are you're technically in menopause um, or postmenopausal. Either is fine. And for me, I'm in I'm calling what I'm in perimenopause, but I am having hot flashes, the mood swings. If they're not perimenopause, then I, you know, maybe they should just lock me up and throw away the key because I've gone insane. <laughs> but like, it has to be. But I also have ADHD and I also have depression. So, but I know those two um, bedfellows. I, I, this feels different because it's so intermittent and it's, there's a lot mixed in with it. And so, do I sound like I'm in perimenopause or am I, am I experiencing something else? You very likely are in perimenopause just from your age alone and your description of your symptoms. So it just seems like estrogen is a, um, I don't know how to put it, a, a, a beast in terms of there's too much, there's too little. It, how are we having the same symptoms with different levels of, am I making sense? Like sometimes we have too much, sometimes we have too little. Why do they produce such similar symptoms? Uh, I, I think it's the, the the changes in estrogen levels that cause the biggest issues. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens in perimenopause is your brain is trying to tell your ovaries, hey, not hearing from you, ovaries, where are you? And they put out these brain chemicals that stimulate the ovaries a lot to say, 
you know, come on, let's hear from you. And then the ovaries overshoot sometimes. And so you can actually get higher estrogen levels than you've ever had in the rest of your reproductive lifespan because your brain is overstimulating your ovaries to get them to work. And eventually they don't respond, which is why, you know, it kind of dies out eventually. But so so you're right, you can have these highly variable estrogen levels. And, and you know, sometimes when your estrogen levels are high, you might feel great. Other women might feel breast pain mm-hmm. um, when they're super high. But when they start to fall is, you know, if you're going from super high back to zero, that's a big shift. And, and so that's a night sweat, you know, hot flash, irritability, can't sleep, you know, the whole thing. Um, when that, when that shift is occurring. So it's more the variability, although high levels and low levels can cause symptoms, it's more the variability and the changing that is so disruptive to women. And is there a tie-in? I've, I thought I uh, read this, that serotonin is affected by estrogen. And so in that sense, if the estrogen is being erratic, so goes our serotonin levels. Well, yeah, it's not that simplistic. So the the neurotransmitters are definitely connected and and serotonin can be impacted during all of this. But serotonin levels can be impacted by a lot of things, including what's going on in your life, you know, and whether you're getting enough sleep and exercise and everything else. So, so, so many things impact those those neurotransmitters, estrogen being just one. Anxiety Bites will be right back after a quick little message from one of our sponsors. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season... We are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. 
Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What I thought was so interesting, and I'll get to this chapter in a second, chapter five, Moods and You, but there was a mention of grief. And you mentioned grief in the part of your book where you talk about maybe going through a premature menopause, but I feel like even at the right time menopause, there must be grief. I never really thought about that because I don't want to have children. And so I'm not conflicted about not being able to reproduce anymore. And, but of course, people who didn't have children, there may be some grief and then even grief about getting older. I mean, it's, it's very strange. I mean, I feel young, I look young and my body is doing something that I saw episodes of the golden girls about when I was a kid, you know? (laughs) So this seems, it, it feels, um, I'm not in the part yet where it feels liberating. I'm, I'm in the part where I don't want this to change. I don't mind getting a period every month. I don't mind feeling the way I've felt since I was 13. You know, I, I, I'm in grief, I think. Yeah, I think that's an interesting concept. And, and um, in talking with women, it's not a universal experience in my, in my experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something that some women have, uh, have to go through and some women are really just, woo. Yeah. Let it be gone. I'm really happy to move on. But I think I think you're right. I think there is something about leaving that reproductive phase, if you will. Um, it, it's somehow sad. You know, you're saying goodbye to something, even if you don't really care <laughs> and, and don't want to have a baby. Right. Um, but you're you're leaving it behind. And, and I think it also is associated with ageism, too. You're entering a time where you can't anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more women really don't want to be defined by their reproductive status. Like I can or can't have a baby. I mean, but that still is somehow a gateway that we all pass through that, that I think a a lot of women struggle with, you know, am I, 
am I somehow not worth anything to society anymore because I don't have eggs being produced, you know, and released every month? And, you know, so many people know so little about menopause that honestly, they have no, I mean, I know people that didn't want to vote for Hillary Clinton because they were worried what she would be like on her period. I mean, I'm really just trying to be funny here, but it is funny. I'm half serious that we worry about that because most people don't even know, <laughs> you know, what it means. They, nobody would ever know I'm past my childbearing years if they wanted to be ageist because um, they would. They have no idea what age that is, you know. Right. I know I just read something that I think in Sweden, women are going to have time off for menstrual situations. And, and they specifically in the article were talking about period pain. And... I'm thinking, God, that, you know, the seven to nine to 10 years of perimenopause through menopause where these symptoms come in, to be in a workplace is really hard. And I, I think that leads to a lot of anxiety too. Like you have to hide this thing you're going through, which actually can show up on your face when you're sweating. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and it's interesting you bring this up because this conversation about menopause in the workplace is really taking off. And I think that's a good thing. Europe's a little bit ahead of us there in that um, they're really pushing workplace policies for menopause. And I think we are now where we were with pregnancy and lactation about 30 years ago. We're starting mm -hmm. to say, hey, we should have these conversations about what this means for women in the workplace. And where I work at Mayo Clinic, we're in the process of developing a workplace policy um, around menopause because you're right. It is, it can be disruptive. It can go on for a long time. It can be anything from I'm in the middle of a business meeting and I break out in a sweat and I start to have, you know, pit stains and people are wondering what's wrong with me and I'm having trouble word finding. And mm. some of the women that I, that I see are like, I can't have this happen. You know, I'm an executive, right. I'm a CEO, and, and they're like, I can't have this happen. You have to make this stop. Or I'm not sleeping. And I, I had one woman that literally said she sweated out her mattress to the point where it molded. And oh, I'm my like, God. I'm like, wow, okay, all right. So those are some serious night sweats going on, right? And, and she had to have her husband come pick her up at work at the end of the day because she couldn't drive home without falling asleep. So, mm -hmm. so some of these symptoms are incredibly disruptive and it's hard to function during the day when you're not sleeping at night or when you're so irritable you want to rip your spouse's eyes out. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot going on. Um, and I think we need to have conversations about, one, educating people about what this time is, and we should be able to talk about it, and it shouldn't be an ageist discussion, right? It yeah. should be um, a, a normal conversation. This is a normal phase of life. This is not a disease. A hundred percent of women are going to pass through the stage if they're lucky enough to get that far, right? Yeah. So we need to be able to have the conversations and, and not have it turn into um a reason for discrimination, which I'm, well, that, that's, I'm yeah. deathly afraid of. Me too. And I'm getting anxiety as you're saying it because I'm like, well, you know what? Never mind. No, let's not have the conversation. I don't want anyone to know because yeah. they're going to think I can't do my job as well. And, but it's true. How do we, you know, in one way, it's nice to talk to other people who get it and say, I really can't find my words right now. You're having, you know, jokingly, people will say things like that. I'm having a senior moment where you're trying to say, can you get me that? Oh, God, what's that thing? We write on it. It's, um, you know, um, uh, paper, paper, give me the paper. You know, we have those moments. 
But why wouldn't, I mean, I have to be totally honest. Why wouldn't someone discriminate, you know? So I'm very anxious for us to have this conversation because how is it not going to backfire? What do we do? Uh, I'm very anxious too. And I have to, I, I think we have to be very clear about what we're asking for in the workplace. And mm-hmm. I actually, you know, as, as, uh, a medical director of the North American Menopause Society, we had this conversation at our last national meeting. And I, I'm like, what is it we are asking for? Is it a cold room at work? So it's a, <laughs> That'd be amazing. I mean, <laughs> you know, like a freezer. <laughs> you have a lactation room, you have a cold room. I mean, yeah. what is it, what is it that we're asking for? Because right. I think when you start talking about workplace accommodations, that gets very sticky. Yeah. And so, you know, if it's being able to take your jacket off in a corporate environment for the five minutes when you're having a hot flash, I get it. But I also think we need to flip this conversation and look at what's happened with menopause management in the last 20 years. And that is, we used to have about 40% of U.S. women using hormone therapy to treat menopause symptoms before 2002 when the Women's Health Initiative study came out. And since then, hormone therapy use rates have dropped to orders of magnitude, like four to six percent now. And so we have a lot of undertreated women out there. And so my thought is we need to educate women. We need to educate their healthcare providers. There are treatment options out there that are available that are safe and effective that we're not using. And so is it so much that we need to accommodate someone at work? Yes, maybe, but we need to offer effective therapy Mm -hmm. uh, for these symptoms so that women can keep doing their job and get the promotion and take the next job um, if they so choose to do. Because think about the lost human capital for women not being fully at their peak form during this time of their life where they are at their peak form, right? Well, well, that's what I wanted to bring up is that I honestly would rather have me now in the workforce than me at 25. And, you know, I'm smarter, I'm more capable, I'm whatever, I'm just as much energy. But, you know, yeah, there are moments where I may forget a word and I may be physically uncomfortable, but it really doesn't affect my performance. I am not actually experiencing a moment where my intelligence levels are dropping. And I feel like being able to watch someone maybe forget a word sometimes or be a little spacey, um, be a little physically uncomfortable is, is not indicative of their job performance. You know, I think a lot of companies started doing this and then I think the pandemic disrupted a lot of that, um, extra stuff that we bring into the office, right? Maybe there's a yoga room, a meditation room, you know, for everybody of all genders and walks of life. Maybe there are these sort of mental health break rooms, things like that. And, you know, this notion of let's make work as comfortable as home. And then the pandemic hits, I think it disrupts it. And people are like, oh, I'm just gonna work from home. Right. I I think you're right. I think COVID may have helped us out in many ways, because it's accelerated. Um, having us think outside the box in terms of what work looks like and where work is and how we're getting it done. And maybe um, it's much more flexible now and it can be on people's own time. So I I think we may have moved ourselves uh, in a positive way just because of the COVID pandemic. And, you know, now we have more access to virtual care than we ever have before, which is making it possible for a lot of women to get menopause consultations virtually with experts that they might not have had access to before. So I think even for the care aspect, it's made things a lot easier too. 
Oh, that's great. Right. You could talk to someone outside of your state. That's right. But, you know, it would be nice if you could just without being questioned, you know, like a privacy thing, just work from home when you feel you need to. I think that helps a lot, too. So you can sweat in privacy and <laughs> when you're not needed, take a nap. Um but again, every time I say this, I get, I get this cringe and twinge of anxiety of just like, oh, God, it seems like we're so we seems like we're too much, you know. But right. I do think this kind of care could benefit men as well or people that don't go through menopause, you know. Absolutely. And some women may not have that option if they're, you know, factory workers, for example, right. you can't opt to work from home. Right. right. So I, I think we need to think about different work environments, too. And even those of us who are you know, seeing patients think of the nurses in the emergency room, they don't have the option to say, hey, I think I'm going to work from home today. Right. So, uh, so I think some jobs are, are more um, amenable to that kind of flexibility. Others are not. And we have to figure out how to, again, I think a lot of this is education and a lot of it is not making it a joke. Like why is menopause always the joke at the water cooler um, where you get, it conjures images of angry, red, sweaty women, right? Um, right. So, so I think we need to sort of break past that um, to where, you know, when women are bringing it up, it's not, it's not automatically going to be a, it's a joke. We'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. 
So follow The 7 right now. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned in your book, uh, your chapter called Moods and You. I mean, it's so overwhelming to me to look at all of the things that can happen during menopause. You know, you talk about depression. You know, someone might be going through depression for the first time. And again, it's not like somebody died and they might have a year of grief. But this, again, could be seven years, 10 years. And so we're you know, talking about people could take antidepressants cognitive behavior therapy, managing your stress. And it's like, there's so much you can do, which is great, but it also seems like a lifestyle change, like how you've got to add in time in your day to meditate every day and stretch. And, you know, is, what do you recommend for people that think they're starting in on, on perimenopause? Well, I I think you bring up a really good point. One, let's just back up and get a bigger picture here because I think so many women in this life phase are taking care of everybody else except for themselves, right? So, so many people are, you know, whether it's kids or aging parents or your next door neighbor or your dog or your partner, I mean, often you are the last person on the list. And so part of this, I think, is hey, things change in perimenopause. And as you go through the menopause transition, your own health risks may change. That's a time when, whereas women, our cardiovascular risk goes up as we go through the menopause transition. And so it's like, we should like take stock of where are we? Are we taking care of ourselves? Are we exercising like we should? Are we sleeping like we should? Are we managing stress like we should. And so I think rather than just uh, looking at it as, oh, no, all these bad things are going to happen to me, (laughs) I think it's take stock. And am I really taking care of myself in the way that's going to set me up to be healthy for the rest of my life is more the way we should be looking at it. And, you know, I, I really have to sit some women down and go, you know how when you're in the airline and they go, put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on the person next to you when the plane is crashing. Well, that's that's this. I mean, yeah. you have got to take care of yourself first or you can't take care of all these other people in your life that need you. So so I think that's the first message. Um, right. It's not selfish to take care of yourself. No, 
No, yeah. it's like life-saving mm-hmm. and, and it can make your quality of life so, so much better if you take the time and go exercise like you know you're supposed to, but you just don't, you will feel better. You will sleep better. You will have better eating habits. I mean, it all kind of snowballs in the right direction if you just start taking care of yourself. So instead of looking at this like, oh, this is going to be terrible. What do I do? And, you know, how do I manage it? Uh, I, the funny thing was when, when I wrote that menopause book back in 2016, and by the, se- by the way, the second version is about to come out. Oh, I'm excited. And uh, the spring of 23. But when I was writing that, my mother said, why are you writing a menopause book? And I was like, huh. <laughs> uh, I go, well, I never asked you, mom, uh, what was your experience like with menopause? And she said, well, I think I might have had a hot flash once at a cocktail party when I had a glass of wine. And I went, wow. Okay. All right. Lucky her. Uh, is she she's a, is she just lying or is she just uh, so I like <laughs> but you know revisionist memory here. I I yeah. I don't know uh if that was really her experience but she was like this is such a non issue. I don't even understand why you're writing a book about it. So so some women I I mean I think that's fair to put out there really stop their periods and that is the end of the story and they got nothing. I mean like no issues. And so God bless them. Mm-hmm. That's not the majority of us. Um, and most of us are going to have something. And I think rather than just dreading the whole thing, you may or you may not get some issues as as you go through. And you were t- talking specifically about mood. I think for those women, the, the ones who need to be just a little aware uh, about what is happening are the ones that have had mood issues in the past. So if you've had a major depression in the past, or if you've had especially those hormonally related mood issues like PMS symptoms or like postpartum baby blues or a real postpartum depression, those are the women that are going to tend to struggle when their estrogen levels are falling around menopause. Um, are those women who had trouble when their estrogen levels fell in the past. So if you've had that happen to you before, just be on the alert that this could happen again. And so what worked before typically will work again. So if you were on an antidepressant before and it was great and it worked for you, that's where you need to go. Or uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is always a a great adjunct to to anything. And sometimes it's enough on its own, but sometimes needs to be added to an antidepressant. For those women who are also having hot flashes and night sweats, that that time right around perimenopause and early postmenopause, hormone therapy can actually be very good for mood too. Mm -hmm. If you're much past those first couple of years after menopause, hormones are not going to help you with your mood. So so we need to think about something else after that. But sometimes that combination of hormone therapy for symptoms and an antidepressant works great too. So so there's a number of things that women can do, but I think being proactive and starting with the healthy lifestyle stuff even before you get there mm-hmm. is a great place to start. I I think it's so great because you know, I I've had anxiety, depression, ADHD. Uh, in, in varying degrees my whole life and weirdly just always been kind of a health conscious person. And so I feel very lucky that I was starting to do all of these things since I was in my 20s. So I have a, you know, five to seven days a week, very gentle workout life, you know, Pilates and lots of walking. And uh, I have a therapist and I stretch and eat well and do yoga and meditate and 
spiritual life, like all the things. And I think what you said just helped calm me. And I did go back on antidepressants last year because I was anticipating, you know, maybe something's going on here. It was hard to start going through this during the lockdown. So I was like, is this lockdown? Is this perimenopause? But so what you were saying is like, instead of dreading it, because I think that was happening to me, I'm like, I'm already doing all the things. And so there's nothing I can do, you know? And it's like, yeah, no, you're doing all the things that you might have a lesser, it might be, in other words, what I'm experiencing now, it doesn't mean that it's going to keep getting worse and worse and worse and worse. This might be how it is. It might stay here for a few years, but this might be it, which is, it's okay. I can, I can handle this. No, my guess is you, this is probably as bad as it's going to get, right? Let's hope. Um, you're already, as you said, doing the things that you know will help and that have helped you in the past. And so I, I think that's a key for women is just knowing the tools in your toolbox and making sure you have those available to you that you can employ them when you need them, right? And so I think not not every woman has a great toolbox. So setting that up in advance is, is key. Well, one of the tools that I think is being taken out of our toolbox, not that it was ever that helpful anyways, but it is nice to have a glass of wine. And as your mom said, she had one after a glass of wine at a cocktail party. It's, I think for women out there, if your relaxation at night is a glass of wine, you might really want to find something else for now that you can do because it does, alcohol does affect it. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and, and, you know, one little warning is if you're using that glass of wine to relax after a hard day's work, eh, it's probably not a great idea. Right, because you're, menopause or not. <laughs> you're, you're using alcohol to relax, which is a warning sign right there. Um, and and you're right, um, alcohol can make you flush. So can using a hairdryer. So can drinking uh, a warm beverage. So can eating salsa. I didn't know that using a hairdryer and drinking a warm beverage. Oh, wow. Uh, caffeine can make you flash. And yeah. so, so there's a number of triggers and, and, you know, I have women going, Oh my God, you mean I can't have a morning cup of coffee? And I'm like, calm down. You can, <laughs> it might, ha you might have a hot flash or two, but it's life, right? I mean, yeah. so have your cup of coffee, have a couple flashes, go dry your hair. You're going to flash again. You know I mean? It's all right. It's not the end of the world. And it doesn't mean you can't have a cup of coffee ever or a glass of wine ever. But the glass of wine can impact your sleep. And let's just talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. It can impact your sleep. So you think it's great. It's going to put you to sleep. But then it makes you have less effective sleep, less efficient sleep. And so you're not sleeping as well throughout the night. And also alcohol is a depressant. So if you're using it to calm down, but you're already having mood issues too, it's probably not your best bet. Right. Um, yeah. So I think probably better to go take a walk around the block after you go have dinner and kind of, you know, settle yourself and maybe do a little meditative um, breathing, et cetera, is a much better way to go than a glass of wine. We'll continue the interview on the flip side of a quick message from our sponsors. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hey, 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season... We are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You mentioned in your book, too, that in addition to sleeping issues, um, one of the stress, the ways that stress can affect women in, in perimenopause and menopause is control issues. And I, I just wanted you to speak more on that. You may worry that you have no control or feel the need to exert too much control. I feel like that's such a huge thing that I never hear anyone talk about. Well, I think when women feel out of control, they seek to gain more control, right? And so I think a lot of women that I see in my office feel like they can't control or predict things. 
whether it's their mood, whether it's weight gain, which is so incredibly frustrating to people in midlife, um, or, or whether it's what go- is going on at work, but they feel a little out of control. And so your first, your first reaction is to try to rein everything in to where you have it all under control again. And sometimes, you know, I mean, that's part of getting older and letting things go a little bit. Yeah. Do the dishes have to be all done before you go to bed? What's going to happen if they're not? You know, what is the worst case scenario of you didn't get the last thing on the list done before you go to bed? Right. So you start realizing that that the world isn't going to fall apart if you don't have perfect control all the time. And that goes back to one of your solutions is people doing cognitive behavior therapy, you know, just learning to reframe their thinking or develop better mental habits with, cause I, I have that, I have this, you know, list making obsession and, and, uh, it's like irrational. Like if things don't get done before bed, but I know the best thing for me would be to get full eight hours it's like, I got to, just, just yeah. to go to bed and it'll look, well, I've learned that things look completely different in the morning. And if it starts looking really black, you know, the night before I'm like, hmm, I think I just need to go to bed and it'll, yes. it'll be different in the morning, which is almost always true. So, and every time I start looking for more control and it, it is now a, like what is going on in your life that you feel like you have to have more control. So, so that's when the anxiety level is higher and you got to pull out the tools in your toolbox to try to get your anxiety level down. You know, one of the best things for giving up control for me was having three daughters. Um, so there, you have no control um, yeah. with, with three daughters. And so, uh, so that was probably one of the best exercises in letting things go. Um, and that has continued throughout their lives too. They're now in their early 20s. <laughs> well, it's it's like what you're saying is, Everything I talk about on every episode of this podcast, no matter what the subject is, anxious people want control. And there are things we have control over, but we don't want to do those things because they're not as fun. Yeah, yeah, I know I can exercise. Yeah, I know I can sleep. But we want control over things we're never going to have. And I think if you're like that anyway, it probably does get exacerbated during this time, especially because as we talked about at the beginning, it's a little bit like, well, here you are, you know, entering the second phase of your life. And I think you're right. It can be this happy lesson, this gift of a time of really learning how to let go, especially if we haven't had the opportunity to really do that before, you know, in any big way, um, is, is just saying, yep, this is going to happen. This is what it looks like. Yep. I am getting older. Hey, maybe I'm wrong about how bad it's going to be in terms of post-menopause, whatever, you know, like this is, it's, it's like you said earlier, we're lucky to even be here at this, at this point. So. Well, and I think it also gives you a time to step back and prioritize what's really important. And, And I have this conversation with my patients all the time, how to say no. So, and, and I struggle with that myself, but I think this is part of the control thing too. It's really okay to say no. And it's empowering to say no. Like you don't have to do everything you're asked to do or, or invited to do, or even if it's an honor, should you really do it? And is it in your best interest to do it? And so I think um, figuring out how to have on your plate what you want on your plate and, and get the other stuff off is just so important and liberating. I, I love that. I love that you brought that up, that that's so important when we're going through a massive change, but I think it's just so important anyway, especially for people who have anxiety, that 
people don't say no for many reasons. One is like they don't even know they have the option. I think a lot of people with any kind of self-esteem issue just think, who am I to not do this? Like you said, especially if it's something that, well, this is an honor. I should say, yes, I'm being asked to speak at this thing or, you know, um, I don't know anything. Like, yeah, that's when you said that, I just felt so relaxed. Like I can say no to things or say, you know, I'm only going to do one thing uh, this week, you know, if it's a social event or something, but I really can't do it. It doesn't, I love that. That, that is a great way to take care of ourselves too, I think, for anxiety at least. Well, and and then think about it this way. You, I mean, I use the yes, no, yes sandwich. Like, yes, that is a really important thing you bring up or project you're talking about or opportunity. Um, no, unfortunately, I can't do it this time. But think of me next time, which is the second yes, or I yeah. have somebody else in mind for you. So it's a good way to actually mentor other people because you can give them opportunities and be the sponsor for somebody else to open a door. So so I think now is that time to embrace what, you know, you are in the senior position and you can help other people and you don't have to take it all on yourself. And I still am exercising that every day. Well, thank you for saying yes to me today. I really appreciate you breaking down for us what's really going on inside of our our bodies and how how we can look at this phase of our lives. And 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 do you have anything else that I haven't asked you that you'd like to let everybody know? Well, I think one of the important things is that um, there are things that you can do. So mm-hmm. so women don't have to suffer through this. And I see this again and again and again. I didn't know there was anything I could do, uh, you know, whether it's the hot flushes and the night sweats or the horrible mood stuff or not sleeping well or vaginal dryness or pain with sex, whatever it is, they're suffering and they don't really know that there are options out there. And so I think the important thing to note is there are a lot of options out there. And whether you do or don't want to use hormone therapy or any other treatment, we've got lots of options. And so, you know, just putting in a plug for the North American Menopause Society, it's menopause.org, but there's a locate a provider tab there. So you can actually put in your zip code and find somebody who's certified in menopause that's in your area. So I think if you're not getting answers from your from your local healthcare provider, a lot of providers aren't even educated in menopause anymore. And we actually did a study on this in 2018 where we surveyed graduating residents uh, across the country from OBGYN, family medicine, and internal medicine. And none of them are receiving more than an hour or so of education about menopause during their training programs now. And so we have a a whole bunch of uneducated providers um, with regard to menopause management. So I think it's important to, when you're asking those questions, understand if you have the provider who knows something about it or if they don't feel comfortable with it, or don't have that skill set, then there are other resources available. That's brilliant. And, and I will tell you, I just thought of this. I was having, uh, about a year and a half ago, heart palpitations. And I know myself very well. And I thought, I think this is anxiety. I think this is related to, um, you know, having been so isolated during the lockdown. But, you know, let me just get it checked out because it was it was happening a lot. And I went to a cardiologist and they were incredible and they really found nothing wrong. And once I found nothing wrong, they sort of went away. And I, I thought it might be a symptom of perimenopause. I'd heard that could be. And so when I was in the office, I said to the cardiologist, who was a young man, I said, I'm really not worried about this. I just want to let you know, I, I have a feeling this is perimenopause. And he goes, oh, because yeah. I said, I, I'm in perimenopause. He goes, oh, no, you're not. As though I had said, 
I'm a big ugly monster and he was like right. cheering me up and right. I was like oh no 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 it's not a, a like it's I am like it's you know and it's okay yeah and it's okay I'm not calling yeah. myself old and it was I I changed doctors after that because I was just appalled you know and it, I don't even want to say I know he meant well it it there's no no he I, just my head's exploding he thought he thought it was a uh a derogatory statement, right? Yeah. So interesting. One more quick point yeah. on a study that was recently published that I think is so important that I think the implications are important. Uh, a study that came out in menopause last year, and it showed that women, even before they start to have significant cycle length irregularity, so their periods really haven't changed, they have the same symptoms as women who are in menopause to the same degree and with the same degree of bother. And and out of the, you know, it was like 50 different symptoms, only hot flashes were a little bit less. Everything else was about the same. So the sleep disturbance, the mood disturbance, the all, all of the other symptoms of menopause were pretty much as bothersome before any changes in menstrual cycle length occurred as they were in menopausal women. And and that to me was just a big aha moment. That That is like for all those women that come into their doctor's offices and are still having periods and they're saying, I have all these symptoms. They're going, well, you couldn't because you still have periods. So you're not there. Um, it's so validating to all those women who are reporting having these symptoms when they're 45 or 46 or 47 years of age and still having regular periods. So I think that just speaks to, yes, it's for real. Yes, you are experiencing it. You're not making it up. You're not crazy. Um, are there things that we can do about it? Absolutely. And you need to you need to see somebody if they're bothersome enough to you. Hi, I hope you enjoyed learning all about what happens to our emotional and mood health during perimenopause. Hopefully you're a little uh, better educated and not too scared about about when it's going to happen to you. But let's look at some of the takeaways. So first of all, just starting relatively easy, menopause is defined as no period for one year, and that's without any manipulation such as an IUD or a birth control pill. The mean age in the United States for hitting menopause is around 52, but anything after the age of 45 is considered normal. The stages that get us to menopause is called perimenopause, and it can last for several years, from seven to 10 years. Some of the symptoms of perimenopause are hot flashes, night sweats, sleep disturbance, and a crazy mood. After you have stopped menstruating for one year and you're able to say that you went through menopause, you are now considered postmenopausal. It is changes in our estrogen levels that cause the biggest issues in perimenopause. So sometimes our levels can spike, which is because our brain is desperately contacting our ovaries and saying, where are you? And the brain chemicals can overstimulate the ovaries. And that leads to higher estrogen levels than you've ever had in the rest of your reproductive lifespan. And then eventually, when the ovaries don't respond, the brain stops pushing them to respond and the estrogen just kind of dies out eventually. What causes breast pain or trouble sleeping or mood changes 
is not just because the estrogen is too high or too low, but it is the swings of it going super high and then back to zero. That's when you get your night sweats, hot flash, irritability, can't sleep. It's the variability. Serotonin levels can be impacted by a lot of things, including what's going on in your life and whether you're getting enough sleep and exercise. So many things impact neurotransmitters in your brain that develop serotonin. Estrogen is just one of them. Let it be known that perimenopause and menopause is a normal phase of life. This is not a disease. We need to have conversations about perimenopause and how to care for people going through it in the workplace without it leading to discrimination. One positive is that after the pandemic, we now have more access to virtual care than we ever did before, which is making it possible for a lot of women to get menopause consultations virtually with experts that they may not have had access to before due to their locations. When we are thinking about going through these changes in our life, there are other health risks involved. During the menopause transition, a woman's cardiovascular risk goes up as well. So in taking stock of where you are, are you taking care of yourselves? Are you exercising like you should? Are you sleeping like you should? Are you managing stress like you should? Looking at a menopause transition as, oh my God, all these bad things are going to happen to me, maybe think about it as taking stock and really looking at it as, are you taking care of yourself in the way that's going to set you up to be healthy for the rest of your life? You have to take care of yourself first, or you cannot take care of all the other people in life that you need to. If you've had major depression in the past or anxiety or any kind of hormonally related mood issues like PMS symptoms or postpartum depression, these are the people that will tend to struggle when their estrogen levels are falling around menopause. And so it's important to take care of your mental and emotional health. If you were on an antidepressant before and it was great and it worked for you, consider staying on it during perimenopause because it can help with hot flashes. Cognitive behavioral therapy is always great to add in with that as well. Some women who are having hot flashes and night sweats, hormone therapy can actually be very good for mood as well. If you are much past the first couple of years after menopause and you are no longer getting a period, hormones may not help you with your mood. So you may think of something else for that, like an antidepressant or more lifestyle changes. A lot of things can cause hot flashes, like having some alcohol to relax. So alcohol can stimulate a hot flash. A hairdryer can stimulate a hot flash. Drinking a warm beverage, eating salsa, caffeine can make you hot flash. There are a number of triggers. But again, pick your poison. If you need your coffee, just know that you might have a hot flash. But in terms of wine and alcohol, it can impact your sleep. So you might think alcohol is helping to put you to sleep, but it makes your sleep less effective and less efficient, so you're actually not sleeping as well throughout the night. Many women going through perimenopause feel out of control, and they want to seek to gain more control. They feel like they can't predict things, whether it's their mood or their weight gain, which is incredibly frustrating. But it's important to look at how we handle feeling out of control 
our first reaction is to try to rein everything in and have control over it, but we might want to look to what we know works for anxiety, which is acceptance. What is the worst case scenario if you didn't get the last thing on your to-do list done before you go to bed? <laughs> I am, I'm bad with that one. Don't ask me to give up my to-do list. One way to take care of yourself that we may not think of is it's okay to say no and it's almost empowering to say no. You don't have to do everything you're being asked or invited to do, even if it's an honor, or even if you think you really should do it. One way to practice saying no is to use a yes sandwich, such as, wow, I thank you so much for the opportunity. Unfortunately, I can't do it, but think of me next time. Or I have somebody else in mind for you, which would be a good way for you to mentor the person who you are passing this opportunity on to. If you need any help with anything, if you want to find out anything more about menopause or perimenopause, go to the North American Menopause Society website. It's menopause.org. Again, the link will be in the show notes. There's a located provider tab you can put in your zip code and find somebody who is certified in menopause in your area. Unfortunately, due to a study that was done at the Mayo Clinic in 2018, they surveyed graduating residents from across the country, from OBGYN to family medicine, internal medicine. None of them are receiving more than one hour of education about menopause during their training programs right now. So we have a whole bunch of uneducated providers headed out into the world with regard to menopause management. So it's important to understand if you have a provider who knows something about it or who doesn't. And if they don't feel comfortable or have that skill set, you need to know that there are other resources available. And of course, you need to be your own best advocate. Again, if you want to read any of these takeaways, you can go to my website, jenkirkman.com, click on Anxiety Bites. That link is also in the show notes. As we are winding down here and almost in our last 10 or so episodes of the season one, which ends in August, I would beg you, I'm now begging, if you could leave a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Those are the two places that have podcast reviews and just say you love the show, whatever you want to say, but those five-star reviews do help keep it climbing in the algorithm. I actually saw a huge jump in the charts um, last week when a bunch of you did heed my call to write some reviews. So it really helps. And I want to keep being able to help people with anxiety. And the more people that find out about this podcast, the more people will be getting help with their anxiety. And, you know, doesn't that make a better society? Less people out there annoying you with their anxiety while you're trying to live with yours. Okay. And just remember, anxiety bites, but you're in control. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Hold up. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.